I, I think we should all count ourselves blessed that we're even able to, to meet here and that we're not in either a hurricane zone or an earthquake um, uh, hit area, I mean, we've, or, or flooded area. We have a lot to be grateful for, and so I'm grateful that we can be here together this morning. Before we go anywhere, let's go where we, the most important place, and that's before the foot of the cross and to our Savior. Let's go before him. Our Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be together again with your people this morning to reflect upon your goodness to us, to celebrate the Lord's table as we will later this morning, and to gather as your saints to glorify our great God and our great Savior. And this morning as we gather even just in this class now to examine how you would Call us to live biblical and faithful lives unto the glory of your name. We pray that our time together would be profitable, would be fruitful, would be ultimately honoring to you. May you take these moments that we have and exponentially grow them and use them for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are now into a new series. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with or if you haven't heard, we're, we're doing basically a, I can't remember exactly what it's called, it's Principles for Daily Living or something like that. Do, I know my topic, so that, I, I know my topic. I can't remember the title of the series, and none of our elders are here right now, so for me to bounce that out. But my issue is faithfulness, and you all being here means that you are faithful here. Uh, faithfulness is the topic that I've got. It's, and the subtitle is kind of No More Excuses. And you're, you might be thinking, well, why am I here? I have been known to be a very faithful person. After all, I'm faithful in every area of life. I never miss my devotions. I, I come to, to church. Oh, Jane's saying, no, that's not true of me. Um, Jane, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm here in church every every Sunday. In fact, I come to Sunday school. I come to the main service. I I, I come to the evening service. You, you might be thinking, I'm just I'm a faithful person. I tell the truth. Well, almost always, um, I brush my teeth after every meal. I know faithfulness. Um, you probably need this more than anyone else. Then. Uh. <laughs> Um, because as a general rule, the more faithful we become in areas of life, the more we realize how unfaithful we have also been. And that is just kind of a general rule. And this should become more apparent as we, we go through this. I'm actually going to be here for, the next, for, for this week and next week as well talking on this issue. In fact, all our, our different topics that we're covering are going to be two-week-long topics. Um, because there's just so much to unpack when we do these. Uh, for now, I want to draw your attention to the fact that this character trait of faithfulness is pro- perhaps the most important quality required of us for any kind of Christian service. First uh, Corinthians 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards of the Lord that they be found, what? Faithful kind of think it's interesting that I'm doing this on our ministry fair Sunday. I think it's appropriate. And 
we're going to have some wonderful application at the end of our Sunday here to be able to extend what we learn here today. The, the development of this particular quality is so vital to ministry that I dare say if one does not seek to possess it, he'll limit the number of important assignments that are given to him by Christian leaders or really by the Lord himself, honestly. Whatever it is that you want to do for the Lord, whether it be in this church, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your job as a doctor or a nurse or a factory worker or or an educator or a homemaker, to be truly qualified for and successful in any of your endeavors, you must possess the quality of faithfulness. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word faithfulness? How do you picture this important piece of the fruit of the Spirit? This is a word that seems to involve so many things that it's almost difficult to grasp. But in reality, it's quite simple to understand. Although it's simple to understand, faithfulness is sometimes a difficult thing to develop on the other side, perhaps because it usually takes time to cultivate when we consider faithfulness. It's not something you walk in the door and you go, hey, I'm faithful. You have to prove it. So before we unpack the term of of, of faithfulness, let's take a brief look at what the Lord teaches actually on another big, big word is forgiveness. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We're going to talk on forgiveness here for a little bit. And I know our women's study through the summer was dealing with the issue of forgiveness, though they are all experts on this topic. (laughs) Luke 17 will help set the stage for our discussion of this character trait of, of faithfulness by helping us to see that becoming faithful is possible, even though it might seem rather challenging. In verse 3 and 4 of chapter 17, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus gave the disciples a a pair of of different injunctions. First, he told them that they should, what, rebuke or convict those who sinned against them. That's what they need to do. Then he instructed them to forgive the offenders as soon as they verbally expressed repentance over their sin. Um, He went on to explain that they were to forgive not just on one occurrence of sin, but up to how many times? Seven times. Seven occurrences, not just over a course of a long period of time, but seven times in how many days? Just one day. I mean, it's kind of what's going on here. You may remember how incredulous the, the apostles responded to these orders. They, they essentially said, you've got to be kidding This person's offended me seven times today, and I'm supposed to forgive them seven times over the same offense from seven times in one day? The apostle said to the Lord, what, in verse verse 5? 
increase our faith. The disciples thought that they needed more faith because they could because before they could do what the Lord had told them to, they needed more faith. But Jesus explained to them that it wasn't more faith that they needed. It was what? It was faithful obedience. They needed to do what they were expected to do by their master, regardless of how difficult it seemed. How hard the task, regardless of how much they felt, regardless of how long it may have taken to accomplish the task. Verses, continuing on, verses 6 through, through 10. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed... You could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he was because he did what was commanded, so you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. As one uh, one illustration says, to kind of portray this, imagine you're, you're conversing with a brother or a sister uh, at a church, Somebody who, maybe somebody who's a new convert. We'll go with that. You're, you're, you're not being proactive or provocative at all. Sorry. You're not being provocative at all. Just trying to engage this, this new believer in conversation. And when all of a sudden this person you're talking to just kind of wallops you up the side of the head. Okay. Nothing provoked it. He says, and, and you, ouch, like... What are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. It sounds like a Canadian, you know. I'm so sorry. You know, we, I don't know what just came over me, but something just made me angry. Anyway, I'm, I'm really, really sorry for hurting you. Well, will you please forgive me? Uh, so you go, okay, okay. I, I forgive you. But... I don't really feel like talking to you right now anymore. Um, in, in fact, I would appreciate it if you would stay away from me until my head stops throbbing. I mean, I think that's pretty legitimate. I think we, we can all understand that. Well, you're talking to somebody else, and five minutes later, this gentleman sneaks up behind you and smacks you again. <laughs> Ouch! Why in the world would you do that again? Like, you said you were sorry. Why, why did you hit me again? You ask him, and, and he replies, Oh, I can't believe I did it either. I, I don't know what came over me. Yeah, yes, I, I do. I was just thinking again about what you said, and my temper got the best of me, and, and, and I charged off to confront you, and before I realized what was going on, I, I just had to hit you again. So I, I'm so sorry. Like, Will you forgive me? I won't do it again. And I'll stay away from you, I promise, this time. And so you forgive him a second time. And, but suppose that before the day is over, he manages to come over and five more times, he hits you over the side of the head for no reason. 
I mean, it's preposterous to think about this. And so, uh, and seven times. Now, after the second or third time, you're going to question his sincerity over his apology. But you know that there's not enough time to change those bad habits in one day. Especially, let's say, for a baby Christian. So according to Jesus, you're going to have to take him at his word. Preferring to believe the best rather than the worst. If he says he is repentant and you, then you have to grant him forgiveness. You will have to do, and fortunately you can learn to do it, just what Jesus said. Even though it may be, seem incredibly hard or humanely impossible to do so. But we're called to faithful obedience. So Solomon asks in Proverbs 20, verse 6, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Faithfulness has always been valued in in those who are biblical leaders. Old Testament saints like Moses and Abraham, David, Daniel, were all said to be faithful. Nehemiah identified several of his workers when they built the wall as faithful. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul could identify some of his friends in the ministry as faithful. There was Timothy, there was Epaphras, there was Tychicus, there was even Onesimus the slave. But our greatest example of faithfulness in the Bible is who? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. Faithfulness is a fundamental element of his character. Just to kind of paraphrase a little bit of Hebrews chapter 3, it says, He was faithful to him who was appointed. He was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Faithfulness is one of those communicable attributes of God. One of those communicable characteristics, I should say, of God. God is faithful, and he relates to his people by making and faithfully keeping his promises. One, one definition says, Faithfulness lies at the heart of the covenant relationship. God pledges constant fidelity to his promises. And this is why he expresses himself through covenants. God pledges a lasting relationship, and we are invited, indeed, or called to commit our lives with a commensurate faithfulness. People who are in leadership are, real, are, are usually recognized, or they usually recognize the importance of faithfulness. King David was one of them. In Psalm 110, he says, My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. David wanted what kind of people to serve in his court? He wanted faithful people. Uh, <laughs> the, the author of, of the stuff that, the, the series that we're going to, uh, his name is, is Lou Priolo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. But he, he says, One summer during my college years, I applied for a job. 
After landing the job, I decided to ask how much it would pay. Usually I'd ask that before, but he asked after he got the job, how much would it pay? The boss said to me, Lou, we're going to start you at three fifty an hour. And after 30 days, if you do a really good job, we'll let you keep it. My boss understood the concept of faithfulness. If you're an employer, you cannot afford to hire an unfaithful man or an unfaithful woman. For Proverbs 25:19 warns, confidence is an unfaithful man in time of trouble. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You cannot depend on them, trust or rely upon unfaithful people. I had, I remember some professors in seminary would say, when they would hand out the syllabus at the beginning of the, of the semester as well, they'd say, you know what, don't expect to get an A in this class if all you do is fulfill the minimum requirements. If all you do is fulfill the minimum requirements, you're, you're not being as faithful as you need to be. To get an A, you should go above and beyond the call of duty. Faithfulness is the call of duty, but we need to go above and beyond. So what are three key elements of faithfulness? Turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. I think this is kind of the, the benchmark parable that we have regarding faithfulness. The, ta- the parable of the talents. Three elements that can be seen in this parable. Look at verse 14 first. I've got to find it here. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property, all his possessions. The Greek word here in this context means to entrust or commit, to, to give or assign someone responsibility. God has entrusted you with a variety of specific responsibilities. He's given you talents or abilities and and tasks. The responsibilities may be in the form of talents or, or vocational duties or something of ministry. As each of us has received a gift, we're supposed to use it to serve one another as good servants and stewards of God's grace. We all have responsibilities that have been assigned to us by God directly or by his agents. Most of us have two types of responsibilities, those that we really enjoy doing, and the flip side, those responsibilities that we don't enjoy doing. Um, If you're anything like me, sometimes I like to do those responsibilities that I really enjoy doing first, and then at the end of the week, oh, great. (laughs) All those ones that I really, I've neglected the ones that I know I need to do, but I didn't want to do in the first place. Yet somehow, I managed to consistently fulfill those responsibilities that I enjoy doing. But a faithful Christian fulfills his duties whether he wants to do them or whether he feels like doing them or not. An unfaithful person does what he feels like doing and doesn't do what he doesn't feel like doing. But when I don't feel like doing something and I do it anyway, 
Sometimes you might say, that makes me feel like a hypocrite. Ever thought that? I feel like such a hypocrite. If God really is pleased with, is, is God really pleased with this kind of obedience when I'm doing it with, just because I have to? Well, it depends on your motives. Obeying the Lord when you don't feel like doing so you may be a greater manifestation of your love for him than obeying when you are happy to do so. You see, it's not a matter of hypocrisy to feel one way and act another way. It's a matter of responsibility. It's hypocrisy to profess one thing and do another If you were to say to God or another person, I just love doing that responsibility, even though you really don't, that would be hypocrisy. Think about those things and that that right now, kind of in your mind or even as an assignment later on this week, you can take your top 10 God-given responsibilities that you have throughout the week. And then once you've kind of written those top ten responsibilities down, I mean, this is really kind of a homework assignment. It's kind of fun. Uh, I've done this before. Uh, Divide those up. What are those responsibilities I want to fulfill? And what are those responsibilities I don't want to fulfill? Move those into those categories once you've listed those top ten. Someone has defined the characteristic of uh, of being responsible this way. Knowing and doing what God and others are expecting of me. Do you know what God and others expect of you? With what stewardships have you been entrusted? What responsibilities do you have right now? Do you see any of those things on that top ten list as divinely delegated responsibilities that were given to you? Since we're here, might as well just kind of, what are some of those responsibilities that we have? What are some of your responsibilities that you have each week? Let's hear some of them. What's that? House cleaning. Keeping the house in order. Any students in the room? You have any responsibilities as a student? To study. There, you just passed the quiz. The teacher gave you the answer. Uh, What are some other responsibilities that you have? Some of your responsibilities at work. What are some responsibilities at home? Preparing meals. See, this isn't a hard quiz, people. What are some of your responsibilities? As simple or as difficult as they are. Let's hear some of them. Laundry, what was it? Take out the trash. Yakety yak, don't talk back. (laughs) Homeschooling, there we go. See, you all have responsibilities. I know you do. Otherwise, I'll give you some if you need some. If you don't have any... What about being a loving leader of your home, providing for your family's needs, teaching your children to obey God's word, study, do your homework? What are some of your responsibilities in the church? Be there. 
That's a simple one. But that is a responsibility to just be here. Let's look at, at, at verse 15 of Matthew 25. The next verse. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. It's not so much our ability that counts, because God has given each of us gifts and talents, and as the texts say, he gave it what? According to what? Our abilities. If you don't believe me, you can look in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and James 1, 17, because it reiterates that point there. But rather, it's more what we do with these God-given responsibilities that matters in God's economy. Verse 16 through 19 of Matthew 25, it continues on. Immediately, the one who received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Consider the word settled accounts. The, those words disclose the second building block of faithfulness. It's that principle of accountability. The King James Version here instead of, renders the phrase settle accounts with them. It says reckoneth with them. Just sounds authoritative, so I like it. It says you and I will be held accountable for faithfully fulfilling the responsibilities that God has entrusted to us. The same phrase is also translated in Matthew 18, verse 23, that parable of the unforgiving servant. It says it calls it a settling accounts. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts of his slaves. The fact that we're all accountable to someone, or the fact is, we are all accountable to somebody. We, we all have people in and out of our lives that we counsel at some level or another whether it be in an official setting like I do it here at the church or some of our counseling ministry does at the church, or if it's sitting over coffee with a friend and you're just shooting the breeze, there is an accountability that you have, and there is a counseling that goes on in that vein. I'm accountable to um, the elders of this church, but these elders are accountable to each other, and ultimately, they're accountable to the Lord. Um, we're all accountable to other members of our family, whether we like it or not. Kids, you're accountable to your parents. Husbands, you're accountable to your wives. Wives, you're accountable to your husbands. Parents, you're accountable to your children. Even as a single man, I'm accountable to my family back in Canada. I don't even live in the same country as them, and I'm still held accountable to them. We're held accountable to the governing authorities over us. We are all accountable to somebody. We all have bosses. We all have governing authorities. In some area of life, we are all accountable, and especially we are all, every single one of us, accountable to God. 
Paul says in Romans chapter 14, each of us will give an account of himself to who? To God. Now, one of the most important things about this principle of accountability is that without it, there can be no third principle. And the principle number three is arguably the best of the three principles. It's the principle of reward. You have responsibility, accountability, and reward. You and I will be rewarded according to our faithfulness, or on the flip side, you'll be rewarded according to your unfaithfulness. Verse 20 of Matthew 25, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. Here comes the reward. What does the master say? His master said to him, Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Better translation is slave. He gets commended. The master says, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Goodness has to do with what I am, including my motives. Faithfulness has to do with what I do, assuming that my motives are right. So the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Part of our reward is a commendation. But there's another part, a much more important part of our reward when we execute our responsibilities faithfully, and really even if we don't, it has to do with whether or not we are granted additional responsibilities. Now, if you don't get anything else from any of this, please make sure that you understand this. Faithfulness results in our receiving a future reward based on our fulfillment of past responsibilities. If you faithfully fulfill the responsibilities that God has given you today, you will be honored at some point of time in the future. Might not be on this earth. Not only will you receive commendation, but you will receive a reward with additional responsibilities. And that begins the next phase of the process, the next step up on that ladder. The more faithful you are, the higher you climb that ladder. If you don't faithfully fulfill the responsibilities you've been given, you'll not be entrusted or rewarded with greater responsibilities. You see, there's a negative side of this entire principle as well. Let's look closely again at verse 24 through 30. The one, who, the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, 
lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does, he shall have taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The unfaithful slave received the, the condemnation rather than the commendation. Instead of his being given additional responsibilities, what happened? The few that he had were stripped away from him. They were taken away. They were removed. So there's a reward for unfaithfulness. The wages, is of, un, the wages of unfaithfulness is the loss of responsibility. You're not going to be trusted any, with, with much at all. Quite often you can think about it, and if I had a, a whiteboard, I would actually draw a diagram for you, but I don't. So I'll draw one in the air. <laughs> think of it as a ladder or a steps. And, and, and steps, the more responsibility you have, the more accountability you get that goes up, and then the more reward you have at the top of that step. And then you get more account- responsibility. And with that responsibility comes more accountability. And at the top of that step is more reward. And then that reward, again, receives more responsibility. That grows faithfulness. It's that constant step upward. Responsibility, accountability, reward. Responsibility, accountability, reward. Responsibility, accountability, reward. That is faithfulness. That's our trajectory. If you want to get stuck on a step and want to have less and less, then don't have accountability. Then you won't get the reward. Then you won't get the responsibility. And therefore, you'll start to lose it, and you'll actually stop, start taking a downward step. You'll lose accountability. You'll lose the reward. You'll lose the responsibility. It will come down, and it will come down. So here's a definition of faithfulness extrapolated from, the, from, from Matthew 25. Faithfulness is demonstrating to God and others that I can be trusted with more and more responsibilities based on my past performance. As Jesus said, everyone to whom much was given, of much, of him much will be required, and of him to whom they've entrusted much, they will demand the more. But what does it mean to be faithful in plain English? There's, there's a lot of different synonyms. What are some synonyms for, for faithfulness? What was it? I thought I heard so. Dependable. Reliable. Trustworthy. Yeah. It's very simple. If you're faithful, it means that you're trustworthy. It means that you're dependable. It means you're reliable. As a rule, whenever you see the word faithfulness in the scriptures, you can substitute any one of those synonyms. 
and you'll get a pretty good picture of what that word of faithfulness entails. Now, normally I go really long with these things, and because I have another week to talk about faithfulness, I can go into a very negative aspect of faithfulness, and I figured let's end on a positive note today rather than on a negative note. So with that, when, when we consider faithfulness, just remember with, I think, was it Spider-Man? that says, to whom much is given, much is expected, or something like that, or I don't know. With great powers comes great responsibility. There you go. That is faithfulness. So take a lesson from Spider-Man and the scriptures. All right, let the scriptures trump Spider-Man, though, please, please. But we are called to be faithful, and I think today, with being our ministry fair day and and the fact that we're going to be talking about the life of the church much today, and you're going to be hearing that, the fact that we're coming before the Lord's table is a chance to examine our own hearts and the faithfulness that we've exhibited in our lives. And, And today is one of those days where we can understand where we can accept some of those responsibilities. And I tell you, those in our church who faithfully serve, they receive great reward. We don't pay them. Um, but the reward is, is a wonderful, rich reward. Uh, it is, is a reward that money cannot buy. Um, and, and your faithfulness to the ministry is something that, that is an encouragement to those around you. It builds up the church. When we consider this parable in Matthew 25, it really is about the kingdom. It's, all, it's faithfulness to the kingdom. And who do you want to be faithful to? You don't need to be faithful to your church leadership. We want you to be faithful to us. We want you to be faithful to the Lord. And we want you to faithfully serve him. In that, you will faithfully serve this church. And you will faithfully serve your family and your neighbors and your friends. And we want to give you plenty of opportunity of that today. Uh, at our ministry fair. So I'm excited for our ministry fair because I think it's a perfect tie-in to everything going on today and a perfect opportunity to to experience some of that responsibility and start gaining some of that faithfulness, uh, gaining some of that accountability, and, and therefore reaping the rewards uh, that, that, that come with it. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning that we've had together. Thank you for the fact that you have given us incredible responsibility from the moment you have saved us you've called us to be ambassadors of your gospel there's no greater responsibility with that than that for you yourself commissioned the disciples to go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Lord, may we be found faithfully serving your kingdom. May we spend and be spent in service to our king and our master, our Lord. For we see the greatest example of faithfulness in our Savior. In doing what he even said he did not want to do, but he knew he must. May we, along with him, Say, not my will, but yours be done. 
Lord, thank you for our opportunity to gather again as your church, your precious bride this morning, to sit under the instruction of your word, to fellowship with the fellow saints that we will enjoy eternity with, as we participate in this dress rehearsal for that day that we will gather before the throne. May we be found faithful today so that when we enter your kingdom, it will not be a surprise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.